0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Conversations on Conversations, where each week we explore a topic to help us have more powerful conversations with ourselves and others. I'm your host, Sarah Noel Wilson. This week, I'm continuing my conversation with Maxine Woods-McMillan and Dr. Melanie Peacock as we explore how we can bring intentionality and humanity in times of making difficult decisions like firing and layoffs. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Here's a fun, quick story. One of my first companies I worked at that I was at for like eight, eight, eight some years, on my very last day, they had me fire someone because they thought it would be easier. So literally my last day of employment, I had to work with someone else who had never been in that conversation to do it. And like you talk about like, and again, not making it about me, but like that would have been a nice consideration of maybe on Sarah's like exit from the organization, this isn't like the way that she ends it. The, the question you know, I'm always looking for like, what are the nuggets or what are the questions or what are the practices that are coming out? And the thing that I feel like is in like bright, bold lights for me hearing both of you talk is am I doing this for them? Or am I doing this for me? And I think that that is a question we have to be willing to honestly answer. And sometimes it's hard. You know, it it made me think of a time I was doing a session and a leader afterwards had asked the question how you know they were like sarah how can we have let's say we're making a decision that has a negative impact to team members how can we deliver it in a way that they won't have an emotional reaction i thought the question was very specific so i was curious what was the specifics behind it and so i got curious and i was like so what? like give me an example what are we talking about you clearly have a specific situation you're going through or went through and they said you know for example if we have to do salary reductions And I go, okay. And I, you know, I was was a little like snarky, but like lovingly snarky. I said, I want to make sure I'm clear. You're going to be announcing to the team, even though it's like necessary, that you are impacting their livelihood and their financial stability, and you want them to not have a reaction. Did I hear that correctly? And then my question was, is that for you or is that for them? You know, and I think that that oftentimes we're thinking of it in terms of that's, We're doing things to make it easier for us, right? Instead of doing it more meaningful for the other person.
1: I think that's really interesting because remember what I was saying earlier about connecting to your mission and vision and why Mm -hmm. someone's doing a job. So before you, before you've already kind of fixed the meal (laughs) and then you're serving it and then you're wondering, and I want everyone to love it, (laughs) right? I don't. I think the bigger question is, how have you connected this decision that you've made to reduce salaries to what they're doing and why they're doing it? Mm. So if if mm. you're coming to me, no matter what you say, I'm not going to like the peas, right? <laughs> like, I know I have to eat my peas and my broccoli. I know it's responsible. <laughs> but, you know, telling me that I have to just enjoy this as the most, you know, wonderful culinary experience of my life is unrealistic. <laughs> However when you have explained to me why i need this especially mm. when you get to a certain age and you start having conversations about things that need to happen with your body okay you explain to me why i need to have it and kind of how this is how this connects to why i'm why i'm sitting here chewing on this tree Well, same thing with this. You've made a salary reduction discussion, and and what I'm hearing is you're uncomfortable because you one you're afraid of emotions. Well, let's be let's really be honest. Mm. You're afraid of anger, Mm. and the Mm. reason someone would be angry Mm. because it's not all emotions. We we don't have an issue right. with people it's, being happy, right. joyful, complimentary. So let's be honest about what we we're saying. You're you're not you're not scared of emotions. You don't want them to not have an emotional response because if they were like yes, wonderful, go ahead, you would be great. You would love that emotion. So the problem is not I emotion. The problem alone? is. Yay. <laughs> right, you know, I have less money to worry about. It's going to increase my ability to diversify, you know, the, the, the lower end food that I can get. Yeah.
0: You would be fine with that. I'm going to, every so time is I quote not... you, I'm sending you a royalty check. Sorry to interrupt, but like I'm going to quote you now in talking about that. And I'm going to send you a little royalty check every time I reference that in a session. Sorry. continue. It's on, on. the record. You're my witness, Dr. Melody. <laughs> <laughs> um but listen, the pro
1: I mean, we gotta be really honest about what we're saying when we say we have a problem with emotions, mm. right? We don't have a problem mm. with emotions. We have a problem with emotions we deem to be negative and uncomplimentary to who we perceive ourselves to be. You have a problem with anger and 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 you have a problem with anger because somewhere in your subconscious somewhere in your in, in the back of your mind you know that you they have a right to be righteously angry because you do not have a prepared position for why them making less money is necessary for your organization to do what it needs to do right so mm, you what yeah. you're asking for is what's the script i can use to very um uh uh, what's the script i can use to say you guys have to make less money so that we can do these other things that we deem more important than your labor and our capitalistic co- commodification of what you bring to this organization cuz I mean, you like, can't be honest with others
0: <laughs> right right and you know and i'm laughing a little bit too because you know the other thing that i was thinking is you know or like disappointment you know when when some of us you know i i feel like mm-hmm. my culture was like you want to be liked Your number one thing is to be liked. And so to disappoint somebody was like the worst thing Mm -hmm. ever, right? But Mm -hmm. you know what I was reflecting on is there are companies who have done it well. So a couple of quick examples that are coming off the top of my head. Stripe uh, had some layoffs here recently. And the co-CEOs wrote a very, what I, I mean, it's going to, everything is going to get picked apart in these moments, right? Um, But a, a very thoughtful, like, here's why here's where we take ownership that we didn't anticipate this, right? Like, they took ownership, and they clearly identified. And then to your point on like anticipating, they started, they started addressing that in the email, we know there's questions about what, what, what does this mean for our strategy going forward? Here's the things we're already thinking about, here's what we're already and and it was such a, you know, was such a beautiful and, you know, we're always looking for resources, we might just tag that in the show notes, so people can see it, because I think that is like, it's a good, it's a good example compared, I mean, we all have hundreds of examples of it going poorly, but, but to your point about like really explaining and connecting to the why and the mission, because there are multiple companies that, and I can't think of the names off the top of my head where, Hey, here's where we're at. And the employees, the team members came together and said, here's what we're going to do to figure it out. Like they helped solve the problem, right? People who could give up more gave up more. People who couldn't give up as much didn't give up as much. And there are ways that we can explore some. Not and and it's not always like we may not always be able to avoid you know um, having to separate from staff because of the nature of the the what we're experiencing. But but going back. Sorry, I'm just I want to make this real quick point. You know, you you talked about how important it is to be intentional about the process leading up to it, right? And before that, the more intentional you are about your culture, the more intentional you are about communicating your values and building high levels of trust makes it easier. And and as a business owner who has a team, we've had times where I've had to say here's where here's the reality of where we're at here's what I know, Mm -hmm. here's what I'm committed to. But I need your thoughts and helping us like figure out how to get there. Because I want to avoid this. Right? Like, that's easy. It's not easy. But like, like, you know, uh, shrinking the team would be easy, right? Easier than like, how do we figure this out? And so I mean, and, and I mean, I feel like this is a full circle moment of like, if you're, if you're going to bring humanity into this moment, humanity better be a part of everything else you're doing as well um, and our ability to have tough conversations, right? To have that psychological safety, to be able to, like, explore and to navigate. And, yeah, mm. I could talk all day about this.
1: The quality of your external conversations are going to be determined by the quality of your internal conversations.
0: Mm. Mm. Point
1: blank Period. The quality of how you are interacting with your staff, with your team members during the employment relationship and at the end of the employment relationship, whether you are initiating the separation or they are initiating the separation, is going to be determined by how you are having conversations with yourself. So as you said earlier, you're asking, am I doing Mm. this for me or am I doing this for for them? Mm. Um, Am I making this decision because... It, it works for them or it works for you. If, so when I, when I was a consultant, I would say to people, um, okay, just me and you. This is before I was an attorney, so there was no attorney-client privilege, but I said, it's just me and you, okay? I inject you with, the truth, with truth serum, Boop, and I would have a little play needle thing, you know, like, you know, in a kitty's <laughs> dock bag. Um, okay, I've just injected you with truth serum. Why are you separating this person? Mm. More often mm. than not, the reason that they gave when they called me in mm. and we were all buttoned up with our suits is not the real reason. And I'm like, so let's deal with the real reason. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because nine times out of ten, yeah. um, we're looking at something that you allowed to persist so long that it's really not just impacting that person. <sighs> so even if you were to separate that person, you still got that that culture sitting there in your organization. Or... You're dealing with how this person is impacted by someone, by someone else's action. And it's easier for you to deal with the impacted person than it is for you to deal with the root cause individual. Those Uh, are the internal conversations that you have beforehand. So that you determine the quality of your external conversations. Because if not, mm-hmm. when you get questioned externally, you end up, you know, looking like a deer in headlights going hamana, hamana, hamana. And you either have to A, admit the vulnerable reality that I don't know and I don't have an answer, or B, and this is usually the default, especially when we allow, you know, uh, paternal paternalistic capitalism to take over our conversations, you get defensive. hmm
0: Yeah. I think one of the in moments of like, say you're making a decision about someone who's showing up in a, a way that's toxic or harmful, right? And that's why you're separating. There has to be some real reflection on the organization to say, and what was it about us that tolerated it for as long as we did, right? Like in you know, and 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 I and I think that. that you know we 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 call that courageous audits, right? Like it's it's easy to have comfortable interpretations. It's harder to have more courageous interpretations. And like the quick fix, the technical fix, is like we've fired them. And then we don't have to do any reflection on, like, You know, and I think we could go on and on. And maybe this is a future conversation on like, on the internal conversations. This is something we're really passionate about in our work is like, when I'm entering into a conversation that I perceive might be difficult or uncomfortable for me or for them, I'm always like, what's the impact I want to try to make? Who do I need to be in this moment? What do I need to do? What's my bigger purpose that I want to stay anchored to that's bigger than this moment? As somebody that's coming from me as somebody who's like, Uh, been raised as a conflict avoider, right? Like I have to, how do I find my voice and my courage? I've just found that like how I talk about it. So I want to, I want to shoot it over to Melanie because you were, you had some things to share as well. I love you. Well, I was
2: just going to say, Sarah, it's just a lovely segue to, you know, not feeding those elephants, as you would say. And anybody who hasn't needs to check out the book. It's awesome sauce, as I like to say, but it's so true. And Maxine talked about emotions. And I think it's a good wrap up to what you were saying, Sarah, is that It's about a process audit, but I was going to say leaders need to be very Mm self-reflective and be willing to look in the mirror and do their own audit. You know, we might not be comfortable with emotions. What about as leaders? How are we comfortable showing our emotions and showing that when we are unhappy or when we're frustrated, how do we show that? Yes, there's still professionalism, boundaries, all those things. But if we can show authentically those unhappy emotions, I'm doing the air quotes, Mm -hmm. you know, as Maxine said, yeah. But can we also show joy, happiness? Like, can we as leaders model that behavior? And so that when we want people Mm -hmm. to express emotions and be comfortable with it, you know, I shared with someone just a few weeks ago, probably too much information, but I said, I can't count the number of times I have at different work locations had to go into the bathroom to cry,
0: Hmm.
2: like shut the stall door and cry Hmm. because it's not appropriate to cry in front of other people. It's still marked as a, Mm -hmm.
0: you know, a sign
2: of weakness. Mm -hmm. It's unprofessional. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking, you know, just crying because of, you know, oh, I didn't get my way. I'm crying because I was deeply moved. I was crying because something's impactful. I can still remember the first time as a faculty association president, I cried in front of the group, in front of, you know, hundreds of people at a meeting. And I cried because I was exhausted. I was moved. I was it was important. It touched my heart. And what's still to this day, to me, I, I sometimes say to people, oh, I'll always be remembered as the president who cried because mm-hmm. nobody had ever seen that. Mm-hmm. Before. But what was interesting to me was the reaction of people. Some people just couldn't handle it. They yeah. actually like literally ran away. <laughs> it, was, it was time for a break. In the the tissues and aren't for you.
0: They're for me, but yeah. I'm passing them yeah. to you so you can clean yourself yeah. up. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. And scurried away. Other people came and said that was impactful. Anyway, the point is, as leaders, we have to be able to say, am I modeling the desired behavior? Mm-hmm. I love, you know, Sarah, the whole episode could be called, am I doing it for them or am I doing it for mm-hmm. me? It's beautiful how you've summarized that and taken Maxine's profound comments and just melded them together. And part of that is that self-evaluation and that self-audit. We call
0: it conscious leadership. Yeah. We'll be back with more of this conversation after this. I, I feel like, you know, topics that would be worthy to explore. Professionalism. And who that's actually designed by and for, and how that limits those of us that aren't defined by that, right? Like emotions in the workplace, uh, you know, real relationship, vulnerable relationships in the workplace you know we we did a really interesting conversation that i think has stuck with me uh, uh with a gentleman his name's nick papadopoulos he's a coach in new york who specializes in masculinity and the role that like right toxic masculinity plays in in keeping men from having intimate relationships and when most of our senior leaders are still white men and that culture is there. It's like, well, no wonder we have some trust issues. No wonder we have challenge. I mean, there's, and that's not the only, right? Like, I understand that, but there's layers to this. Um, and you know, and, and ultimately like what I'm, what I'm leaving this conversation, well, one, I'm leaving this conversation going, there needs to be a part two, three, four, five, and six. And, um, and, <laughs> and, and just, um, You know, I think, I think for me, it's the, and and what I invite uh, people who are listening is work hasn't worked for most people for a long time. And like, and, and we may not have total control of changing it, but, but where, where we do have control over, how do we, how do we start to make those changes for ourselves or with other people, right? Like, how do we, you know, I think, um, uh, Maxine, you were saying it earlier of just like the the workplace that we want, the workplace that we want to create, like where people can show up at their best, and and just thinking through. How, I mean, and it, it's about intentionality. It's about right owning impact, not just good intentions. It's about owning the impact, being thoughtful about it, and um, I I just want to I want to put it back like final thoughts from. The two of you, because I want to be respectful of your time, and it's clear that we could like just keep talking about it. So we're we're just going to have to do another version. Um, but what are some like final thoughts that you want to share as we wrap up this conversation together?
2: My closing, my closing nuggets. <laughs> I'm going to steal. I call it R and D. I rob and duplicate Sarah's words. Who are you doing it for? Are mm-hmm. you doing it for them? Are you doing it for you? One, two, any type of termination of employment is a process, not an event. Mm -hmm. Mm. We really emphasize that. Three, the third nugget that I'm taking away is about the humanity. Humanity for ourselves and those that have to deliver the news. Humanity for those that remain behind after a colleague is let go from an organization. And humanity for those that are losing their employment. And the privilege that differentiates the repercussions of that to acknowledge that, to be aware of it and to continue the conversations because there is no simple answer. And that's the fourth point. There is no easy Mm. one size, all fits Mm -hmm. answer. And so the conversations need to continue.
0: Mm. Closing arguments for Maxine. Um,
1: So first, no new news, the end of the employment relationship, there should be no new news. Do not bring out Mm -hmm. the mission and Mm -hmm. vision stuff, you know, now if you haven't been doing it the entirety of the employment relationship, just keep it in that desk drawer that it's been in and just, (laughs) you know, continue (laughs) to do what you've been doing thus far. No new news. If it's performance related, then you and your HR professional in whatever capacity that person works should have been managing performance such that you can refer to, well, you know, we've worked through this and we've had these conversations and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we've come to a place where, you know, this is no longer serving us. Um, So no new news at the end. We don't do new news at the end. So that's my that's that's number Mm -hmm. one or Point A. Point B is circling back to something we talked about earlier, and I'm really, really big on this. Making sure your language does not mm. dishonor who this person mm. is as a person. Um, mm. And so this is a big thing for me in in hiring, uh, bringing someone into the organization, the entirety of their relationship. So, for example, I don't use the term boss. I. Um, um, you know, especially as you know, I, I live in this world in the in the fullness of who I am in every aspect. So, as a black person, as a woman, no one is the boss of me. <laughs> now, mm. my mm. role may report to your role, right? I may report to you in my work capacity, but you are not my boss, right? And mm. I, you are not under me. <laughs> Right. When people reported to my role, I said just that because they don't report to me as a person. They report to the role that I am in. Right. Their role reports to my role. So what that does is it helps us separate um, our personhood from our workplace relationships. And then if you keep using that kind of language throughout the employment relationship, at the end, we don't terminate people. We separate roles right and and it may seem yeah. um, oh mm. wow why are mm. you picking and making this language you're making it all about language everything's so pc but what is it so what it's so important to do it's important to start to define a person by their personhood and not by their profession, mm-hmm. not by the role that they they operate in in an organization. So that if there's a shift in that role, it is not a shift in, as I said before, the predicate of their personhood, right? So you want to be really intentional about their about the language that you use throughout the employment relationship, so that when you start, because the the only thing worse than using that kind of language is. Now listening to us and writing this down and using it as a little script at the end of the relationship, you know, during the separation conversation, because now it doesn't ring true. Now it sounds like, did you hear Frank in that meeting? Like. What the hell was that? He doesn't talk like yeah. that. And now, and now on top of everything else, you feel like an alien just came in, zoomed, you know, slurped up Frank's body, took over his body like the body <laughs> snatchers, and fired you from your damn job. You know, it was like it was bad enough. I lost like my oh, you job, you clearly this- took that HR training. Yeah, Exactly. Like, so he went somewhere and got some snippets and put them together to tell me, hey, you know, you're out of here. Right. So you want to start thinking about what kind of you want to be your authentic self at this very vulnerable moment. And um, also be mindful of passive language. Like the company is not separating. The Mm. organization is not separating. We, Mm. people, use pronouns. We're individuals. Because Mm. you know what? When this person showed up every day, when they left their kid sick to come to work, Mm. when they juggled and had their laptop in the bathroom with them while their kid was throwing up, not that I've ever lived through any of this, um, when they came in after church on weekends, when they ate dinner with their laptop at the table... All of that stuff, you know, a, a, an entity didn't do that; an individual did. Honor that individual yeah. in that moment, um, and and last but not least, you end at the beginning.
0: Hmm. And I'm going to be gently and lovingly placing my mic down because I just dropped it. Um, <laughs> I I want to thank I, <laughs> I want to thank you both so much. well. Okay, real quickly, I just have to feel like I have to say this when we go to like internal. What you were saying is like that language change can't come until we see the power shift change because we know that there are people who are in positions of power and authority who do mm-hmm. see the subservient, who do see the the right like the, mm. the the I don't know how to articulate, but they see the like hierarchy. And I remember the first time my last boss, like the last. The last person I would lovingly color my boss, but the last person I reported to, I remember her saying, you and I are equals, it just so happens that my job is to help you stay organized and focused and prioritize what your job is. And I'd never had. And now that's that's how I show up, right? And work to show up is like, we're all in this together, folks, it just so happens that my responsibility, my tasks are this. And there's a reckoning, there's a real again that that honesty of like, you can't you cannot use the language if your belief doesn't follow it right. If I right. believe you are less than me it, or below it rings me, hollow. The, mm-hmm. right, right, it's inauthentic. So again, that's a, It's a conversation yeah. for another day. I want to put out there to people who are listening that if there are, there are questions that come up for you or things you're curious about, or you would like to get uh, additional thoughts from Dr. Melanie and Maxine, send us an email at podcast at sarahnollwilson.com. And, you know, and if we can get some good questions coming, we you know would love to have a continuation of this. It's, pro- it's going to happen anyway at some point. But if there's specific things that you're curious about, um, reach out to us and we can work those into a future show. All right, my lovely fellow humans, we always end on this question. And hopefully you have time to hang with me. Uh, But we always ask in the spirit of talking about conversations we have with ourselves and with other people and how transformative they can be, right? The language, how we're thinking about it, how we deliver it intentionally. So for each of you, I would love to hear, uh, what is a conversation you've had with yourself or with someone else that was transformative for you personally?
2: Okay, I'll jump in. The conversation I had recently with a very dear friend, we talk about issues, we, you know, dive deep we're very philosophical we read we compare notes you know we try and solve the world's problems all those kind of good things <laughs> it's not a regular you know saturday afternoon chat with a with a dear friend and during this conversation i began to share with her and again i want to preface this this is a very good friend who i've known for we decided who discovered as we started counting which we should never do but 20 years of friendship i was sharing with her some very detailed and clear examples of misogyny and racism that Mm. I've experienced in my life. And she was shocked. Mm. And the conversation was transformative because she said to me, wow, we've been friends for 20 years Mm. and you've never told me these things. Why? Why have you never told me these things? And more importantly, why can you tell me now? And whatever that why is, let's Embrace that. Let's leverage that. Let's continue with that. And the transformation for me was after I've been on a planet for <clears throat> so many years, how that's changed my view, how our world and our amazing HR community has helped me embrace my authenticity, my vulnerability, my willingness to address these issues, which I have and I'm sharing vulnerably now, stuffed down for many, mm. many years and the journey is only going to continue so everybody look out because there's probably going to be no that probably there is going to be some more sharing now that i've opened the floodgates thanks to again realizing there's some privilege around that but a big part of that privilege is the community of listeners the people that are listening right now the people like you sarah and maxine who are there to support and rise other people up you know the rising tide lifts all mm-hmm. boats it's because like you. So that conversation was extremely transformative for me. And as is this, (laughs) and will continue the evolution as I continue to be a learning being on this planet and this journey.
0: Thank you, Dr. Melanie Peacock. Maxine. So, um, you know, I will
1: say to anyone that uh, law school is its own bundle of laughs at any point in your life. Um, law school after a certain age, when you have, um, you know, family and husbands and full-time job and all of that stuff at the same time. And then you decide, not only am I going to go to law school, I'm going to go to an accelerated degree program. So I'm going to go to law school and cram it all into less time. Um, some would say was, um, uh, some, some have called it admirable. In retrospect, I call it stupid, but you know. Use your descriptors as you choose. <laughs> um, but I remember having a meltdown, just a hmm. emotional vomit, uh, um, all the feelings, all the frustrations, some of it, you know, really speared by just sheer exhaustion and tired and physical maladies that really probably were a manifestation of emotional issues that were not being addressed or. Um, resolved. And the person that I was speaking to, uh, again, thank God for women, um, that really listened for quite a while. And she said, I'm going to send you something. And she sent me um, some really great insights. right? And I called her back when I got the text and I said, girl, like, yes thank you. That is beautiful. This is brilliant. And she was like, yes, it is. And I was like, yes, ma'am. Talk your stuff. That's good stuff. And she was like, yeah, the person who told it to me is really brilliant. And I was like, <laughs> at that moment, I looked down again at the phone because I had it on speaker and I was like, who told these to you? And she said, the person who would say to me, speak about yourself, the way you speak about others. And I was like, "Damn, mm. I remember that I said that." Um, <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> um, so that was a really impactful conversation for me. And I put it up in my mirror, on my mirror. Um, and the question I put on my mirror was, "Would you say that to your best girlfriend?" Because I have a lot of conversations mm. with myself physically mm. in the mirror. And so, the question I asked was. You know, would you say that to your best girlfriend? Would you talk to your best girlfriend that way? Would you see it that way from her perspective? One of the things um, that I do really well is seeing the best of people at their core um, and finding ways to communicate that so that that's helped me in hiring and um uh, resume writing for job transitions when I was in HR, that kind of stuff. And it also helps me in legal relationships when, you know, we have to kind of figure mm. out how best to address a situation. I read people fairly well and I can kind of see the uncommunicated stuff, but I have not been doing that really well with myself. Mm. Um, and so that for me is at the forefront of my mind as you ask that question is being as benevolent and, um, mm. Uh, intuitively seeking for the good uh, for myself um, as I am for other people. It's it's not a skill that I um, have honed incredibly well, but I'm working on it um, to get better
0: at it. So I love it. Thank you both so much. I mean, just a huge thank you. I mean, you've given certainly more, even more time than we had planned. You brought your heart, you brought your ex- expertise, your experience, your insights, your wisdom, I um, I'm a bit overwhelmed if I'm being totally honest and feeling a little misty uh, in getting to spend this morning with you both and talking about such important topics. And, you know, and I think the thing that I just want to say to both of you is I'm really, really grateful that the world has leaders like the two of you and that you chose to share some time with all of us. So for like just the deepest, deepest gratitude for both of you and um, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: And thank you for having, thank you for having me. I mean, I look at Dr. Peacock's resume and and that makes sense. I mean, my God, (laughs) Dr. Peacock is like pretty impressive, but thank you so much for having me and um, allowing me to share my ideas. And thank you for being brave enough and um, um, obedient enough To have this platform, to have these kind of conversations, communicating about our communication is itself its own communication of love. So I'm really appreciative of you for having this Mm. platform and for inviting me to be a part.
0: Thanks for saying yes. I,
2: I echo that a hundredfold and I'm just so grateful, Sarah, to you for many, many things. And, and Maxine, just, I've learned so much from you today. This is not the last time. No, we're, we're like, this is happening.
0: Myself. Yeah, we're getting, we're getting yeah, no, dinner. I'm, I'm
2: dragging Maxine yeah. into my classrooms, into my coffee chats. I'll be, you'll be, you'll be interfering with the voices in my head later today because so many of your comments, <laughs> I can't get out of my head. But I really do just profound thanks. And, and Sarah, I have to close by saying, you know, we can thank you for the platform and the conversation and all that would be true. And I hope, you know, when I say this, it's it's so authentic and genuine. It sounds trite, but it's so authentic. I want to thank you for being you. Mm. <laughs> you are one of the kindest, most just giving people that I've had the pleasure of meeting. I remember since we've connected through the HR community and online, one day I was speaking with my partner and I said to him, this woman is sending me a musical interlude because she's asked if anyone needs an uplift and I'm tired and I needed a heart break. <laughs> I needed a heart uplift and I played it over and over again and I laughed and I teared up and I said isn't the world lovely that people like Sarah Noel Wilson mm. exist and remind me of what is good.
0: Mm. You know We'll just, you know, we'll, all, we'll all be True like, oh, Maxine, We'll thank you. And Maxine, if you want any accordion concerts sent your way, I'm always happy to do that. But like, you know, it's the <laughs> what we focus on grows in this world. And uh, it's just been a treat to be able to focus on the world with both of you. Our guests this week, as we completed part two of our conversation, has been Maxine Woods McMillan and Dr. Melanie Peacock. I'm so grateful that they said yes. This was fun for us to explore what's what it's like to have multiple guests on the show. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And we want to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast at com, or you can find me on social media where my DMs are always open. And we'd love to hear what resonated for you. What are you taking away from this? How are you thinking differently? Or what questions do you have? I know there's a number of things. I think the big thing I'm chewing on is just how thoughtful we need to be about the whole process and making sure we're thinking through all of the areas that are impacted and what does that look like. If you would like to support the show, please consider becoming a patron. You can visit us at patreon.com slash conversations on conversations where not only your financial support sustains this podcast and the incredible team that makes it possible, you'll also get access to some pretty great and unique swag and benefits. Thanks to our incredible team who makes this podcast possible, to our producer, Nick Wilson, sound editor, Drew Knoll, transcriptionist, Becky Reinert, and our marketing consultant, Caitlin Summit Nelson, and the rest of the Snowco crew. And just a final thank you to Maxine Woods-McMillan and Dr. Melanie Peacock. They are both incredible humans that I am so fortunate we were able to be in conversation together about such important things. This has been Conversations on Conversations. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, when we can change the conversations we have with ourselves and with each other, I really do believe we can change the world. So with that... Please make sure you rest, you rehydrate, and we will see you again next week.